Hey, welcome into the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Uh, we're moving moving right into episode show uh, number 27, season number three. My name's Scott. Welcome into the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We got a lot to talk about. You know, I, I threw something out there uh, this week in the uh, Facebook group. Talked about three, three things that if happened, could make the Jaguars a much better team. We know some of the notables. We know about Trevor Lawrence. He, he's gonna he's gonna take a giant step up. Trevor Lawrence stays healthy. His year two is gonna be, in my opinion, much better than year one. I mean, look what he did in the last game against the Colts. He completed his last. I'm sorry, he completed his first eight passes in that victory uh, over the Colts. I believe the Jags beat the Colts twenty six to eleven in the game number 17 and you know you want your guy your franchise quarterback to end up on a positive high note and uh, jack's quarterback trevor lawrence definitely did in the 2021 season which actually was january of 2022 when the season ended uh for the jaguars so with that being said one of the three things i'm talking about is not trevor lawrence we're all kind of assuming he will improve We'll take a leap forward, maybe, uh, you know, better than a leap, maybe maybe close to a giant leap forward from year one to year two. However, these are the three things that we're going to talk about that I feel like if they happen and everything else will fall into place, the pass rushers will fall into place, um, the playmakers, et cetera. But here's three things that I'm looking at. And before we get to three things, let's talk about our sponsors. Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to make a podcast. LakeUfallahits.com, great internet radio. Recognizable hits uh, throughout the day. Uh, Rock Saturdays uh, and the evening hits 2000s. And unique songs late at night, deep cuts, album tracks. Late at night, LakeUfallahits.com, great internet radio, great internet radio where it's all good, LakeUfallahits.com. And don't forget about the Mad Max mix. That's you'll, you'll find out why they call him Mad Max, man. He's got a story for almost every song he plays. He plays the, the pop classics, the classic rock songs from yesteryear. And check him out, MadMaxMix.Weebly.com. The Mad Max Mix, Wednesday night, Wednesday night music request show. It's internet radio, Wednesday night music request show, 6 to 8 Central Time, 7 to 9 Eastern Time. I try to catch it uh, almost every week. And Max plays request for me. You know, he's liable to play anything from yesteryear, um, even some songs that are not as old. But, man, he, he plays the Atlanta Rhythm Section, Joe Jackson, Led Zeppelin, the late John Lennon, um, you name it. Great songs from yesteryear, pop classics, classic rock, Leonard Skinner, Steely Dan. He's going to play it on the madmaxmix.weebly.com each Wednesday night, 6 to 8 Central Times, which is 7 to 9 o'clock Georgia time. Or Eastern Time. I'll get my time straight here. Eastern Time will be 7 to 9 o'clock, 6 to 8 o'clock Central Time. The Eastern Time is, you know, basically Georgia, Florida, and the entire Eastern, East East Coast, right? And then Central Time from, from the deep panhandle in Alabama over to the Central Time Zone, 
6 to 8 Central Time, 7 to 9 Eastern Time, the madmaxmix.weebly.com. Now, you can simply go to bigjreport.com to find the links in the Neighbors 2 area, in the outside the box section where we have a, an article about Mad Max and his show, the Mad Max Mix. So go to the Neighbors 2 section, a lot of links. There's a link for, for our podcast on there, the Chill Short Report podcast. Uh, links for LakeUvaldaHits.com and a link for Mad Max's show, the MadMaxMix.Weebly.com. I just go to our website and there's plenty of easy to click on links in the Neighbors 2 section at BigJReport.com. For your real estate needs, don't forget Salsa Realty. That's right. Last but certainly not least among our sponsors, Salsa Realty. For your real estate needs, whether it's home, you know, residential, business, commercial, real estate, whether you're in uh, Jacksonville, Gainesville in North Florida, Live Oak Lake City or somewhere in between, or maybe, um, you know, a little car's drive to the south, I mean, you're going to you're going to be very, very happy with the relationship you you build with uh, Larry Saucer and Saucer Realty and Capital. And you go to our website at BigJReport.com, scroll the homepage all the way down to our 24-7 North Florida weather information. And yes, you will find the link to Saucer Realty and Capital for your real estate needs in North Florida and in some cases surrounding areas as well. We appreciate all of you guys tuning in, whether you're in North Florida, South Georgia, uh, South Alabama, pocket of, I should say, maybe a pocket of South, Southeast Alabama, where they have the coffee club in Uvalde, Alabama. Um, so, I mean, we're listening to everywhere, as many as 36 states, you know, way up there in the North in Montana. Um, some of the other states that are really, really big with the Teal Shirt Report podcast, besides Florida, Georgia, Alabama, uh, Texas, Virginia, state of Washington, way up in the Northwest, um, state of Virginia, uh, Miller Mark. Our good friend who's a comedian up in New York listens in. So we got got folks listening in as many as 36 states. And we're also listened to internationally and worldwide. Northern Ireland, hello to you. Uh, Andy Powers up there in the UK, Newport uh, Wells area. I think Andy moved a few months ago. I need to ask Andy if he's happy with his new location where he's at. But he's still typically in the UK, Newport, somewhere near and around the Newport Wells area in the uk so again a thank you to our sponsors saucer realty and capital in north florida for your real estate needs lakeyfallhits.com great internet radio the mad max mix for the mad max mix internet radio show go to madmaxmix.weebly.com uh, i mentioned lakeyfallhits.com great internet radio where it's all good saucer realty for your north florida real estate needs if you want to move to north florida or maybe you just want to buy a second home or property, or you're even wanting to sell, contact Larry Saucer and Saucer Realty and Capital. You'll find the link uh, on the homepage at bigjreport.com in our in our weather information, our 24-7 North Florida weather information. Check out the link in our weather for Saucer Realty and Capital. And anchor.fm, great Great. Uh, I mean, really, we've had a good relationship with Anchor.fm, and I'm trying to say a great platform uh, for the podcast. 
You can go on our website now, bigjreport.com. We're updating our podcast up there. If you go to the Neighbors 2 section, the very latest podcast is on there. On the homepage, I've got some of the older podcasts, but we will be updating those as well over the next couple of days. Uh, making some changes on the website. Hope you like it. Uh, uh, we are kind of going in there, sweeping out some of the clutter, putting some new stuff up. But, you know, a lot of people like a lot of the old classic stuff we got on the website. So check us out, bigjreport.com. That's bigjreport.com. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. And I'm going to talk about those three things that I think are could be extremely important. If these three things can click can hit the rest of the team where we're expecting the players besides these three points I'm going to make. The rest of the team, man, it could help the rest of the team so much. But three things that stand out for me that are kind of like um, the unknown. Nobody really knows if, if these things are going to happen properly or the stars will align, as they say. ETN who's been cleared to practice. Seems like I've not heard of any setbacks uh, for uh, Travis Etienne, the running back, late first-round pick out of Clemson in 2021. If Etienne can become pretty close to 100% healthy, he's able to play in the majority of the games this year. He can be a receiver out of the backfield, a fast running back, what have you. He could, he could be the Jags. Maybe their version of Debo Samuel. And we'll get into Debo Samuel, too. But the main three things that I want to talk about are ETN. If ETN can play in the majority of the games this season, let's say ETN plays and plays a lot for 14, 15 out of the 17 games, puts up the numbers, that's going to be big. It's going to be huge. So I'm going to say ETN is very, very important. I'm also going to say LaVisca Chenault. LaVisca Chenault, if he can cut down on the cut, cut down on the drop passes, I'm talking about wide receiver LaVisca Chenault, who could be a guy that can run the ball too uh, from the inside or end around or what have you, get him in space. I'm going to say that LaVisca Chenault, his improvement in year three for him is paramount for the Jaguars and, um, of course, for LaVisca Chenault. I mentioned ETN, but I'm going to talk about all of these these three interesting scenarios. If ETN can have a good year, a really good year coming off an injury, if ETN has a good year, LaVisca Chenault can improve. Less drop passes. He's got to put it into a higher gear, a little more speed. And then I think personally, besides ETN and LaVisca Chenault, the other thing that I think is key is the defensive tackle to nose guard area, the interior of the Jaguars defense. And they've got some guys, what Roy Robertson coming back, and, you know, they've got, uh, you know, some other players, you know, up front as well. Some players I like personally that, uh, you know, the defensive line has been improving. You know, Adam Gotsis and uh, the rest of the, the Jaguars defensive line. But I think the defensive tackle nose guard area – is going to be key for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I really believe this, and there's reasons for that. Um, it starts with being able to stop the run. You know, Roy Robertson, Harris, 
came out of Chicago. This would be his second year. He was signed from the Bears as a free agent in 2021. Um, you take a look, you know, at the, the Jaguars, who they're going to play, you know, on the defensive front, the defensive line. You know, as we know, you know, there was a certain player. The Wyoming wild man is gone. He signed with Cleveland. Maybe that opens up a, a good spot for somebody that's going to really excel and turn it on. So we know about Roy Roberts and Harris, um, Devon Hamilton, and these are the guys, and there's a few other guys. Tefeli, who was drafted last year, still on the team. I think he was a fourth rounder. But they've got a collective uh, group, maybe five or six defensive linemen that have a chance to improve, excel, and uh, stop the run. I personally think Joe Cullen did a good job with the defense last year. He's gone. He's taken a job with another team, and now you got Mike Codwell coming in as a new defensive coordinator. You got all these moving parts on defense. The defensive tackle and nose guard situation is going to be a key, especially if they're playing a basic 3-4 with a lot of linebackers flying around. Uh, Devin Lloyd, uh, Trayvon Walker, who'd be a pretty big-sized linebacker to about 65272, or he could be the big end. They're gonna, I think the Jags defense is probably gonna show you a lot of different looks. I think these pass rushers ultimately, and, and there's also been mention of Kalevon Chase on that the fact that Trevon Walker, Trayvon Walker has arrived in Jacksonville as the number one overall pick, that it's gonna lift the level of his game. Where have you been, Kalevon Chase on? I think Kalevon's going into what, uh, year three. Uh, just like LaVisca Chenault. But I think if the, the the three keys for me right off the bat are ETN. ETN, I'll mention him again because I think it's doubly important. ETN, LaVisca Chenault, and the Jaguars' interior defensive line, including the nose guards and defensive tackles right up front, the guys that are going to get the push on the opposing offensive line. They're going to they're gonna push the pocket up front. They're going to stop the run. That is key. That is paramount. Defensive tackle, nose guard, ETN, and LaVisca Chenault. If all three of those things can be positive and be better than average and maybe good, uh, very good, the rest of the things can fall into play. The pass rushers will have more opportunity with second down and long, third down and long situations. Uh, turn it around to offense. LaVisca Chenault, if he catches the ball, he doesn't drop the passes. You're going to move the chains more. You already got a guy named Christian Kirk that caught 77 balls with Arizona. He's going to do his part. I really think if these three guys, these, I'm going to say, well, I'm not saying three guys. I'm saying two guys and a position. I'm going to say ETN, LaVisca Chenault, and you're talking about Lewiska Chenault being almost like a comeback player of the year for the Jaguars. If he can cut down the drop passes, make some big plays, move the chains, maybe uh, push things up into a higher gear speed-wise, just a little bit, a little more speed, put it into a high gear, Lewiska. We got a lot of people to listen out in Colorado, too, because I know when Lewiska got drafted, you know, a couple of years back, I was telling everybody, man, he's got a chance to be a star in the NFL. I still believe that can happen with LaVisca going into year three. But again, Chenault, ETN, and the defensive tackle nose guard position, those are three keys for the Jaguars moving into the 2022 season. 
moving into the training camp, which is coming up uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that's just a few of my thoughts. My name's Scott. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We've got a lot more coming up. We cover uh, SEC football, semi-pro football. Hey, I got my new Lindy's. You know, everybody on some people on sports radio talk about Lindy's and Athlon and they're going to go pick one up. The price is going up on those things, I can tell you that. But I got my Lindy's. We'll talk about that. So we're going to talk about the SEC, semi-pro football, outdoor, indoor arena. We're going to talk about that stuff. You know, the, the what I like to call is the underworld of semi-pro and indoor arena football. We're going to talk about the underworld of that coming up. There's some semi-pro football uh, playoffs, playoffs. In the APDFL League, we'll, we'll talk about that today on our podcast episode show number 27. Who wore number 27? I don't know. It could be a, could it be a, a, a number that's got a little bit of a jinx or hex to it? Leonard Fournette, when he started with the Jaguars, he wore number 27. We may go back to 2018 when it was a game where it was almost like the music died. For the Jaguars. Man, that was a day that eliminated infamy, that, that game up in Buffalo, where Nate Hackett got fired as the offensive coordinator back in 2018. I think it was November of 2018. The Jags' offense was kind of lifeless other than Fournette really running the ball good in the first half. And then what does Leonard do? He goes across the field and throws a couple of punches, um, kind of creates a melee situation. I think he was thrown out of the game in the, for the second half. And I believe he was suspended for a game after that as well. But coming off of all that that ridiculous activity, with Leonard Fournette coming way across the field, you know that what resulted? Bortles, brother Bortles, got benched. Fournette threw some punches, and after that, Bortles was brother Bortles was benched. Nate Hackett was fired. Numerous things. It was like a chain reaction. Back in, uh, what was that, uh, November up in Buffalo in 2018. So just kind of looking back at a historic moment in Jaguars football. Not a good moment, but a moment where a lot of changes took place for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll talk more about the Teal Shirt Report podcast uh, coming up. Our inside look at uh, semi-pro football. And we're going to, you know, we're going to talk North Florida Entertainment and much, much more coming up. This is the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We'll be right back. Episode show number 27 episode show number 27 season number three of the teal shirt report podcast let me let out a do ball that was had a little different that had a little different style to it right want to say hello to the coffee corner um southeast alabama you follow alabama uh brother jc hello to you mad max calling you guys out and um if I give you my top four coffees of all time, maybe it'll help you. Um, I think it's got to be Starbucks Italian Roast. But don't get the one with marshmallows and chocolate mixed in with the Italian Roast. If you go to the store, if you ever find yourself at a Starbucks store, that is the place to buy it. Tell them you got a Mr. Coffee or whatever type of coffee machine you got. They'll grind them for you right there in the store. 
but get the Italian roast, but not the one with the marshmallows ooh, and the chocolate in there. Just a straight Italian roast. I think it's uh, roasty and sweet and robust. And I think that Italian roast without, very important, without the, the, the marshmallows and without the chocolate, the straight Italian roast, big bag of it, a big pound of it at the Starbucks store, probably the number one coffee of all time. Number two. Number two, I'm going to say Caribou, and it's hard to find it now. Caribou's Mahogany, which is a dark grind. Number two. So we got Starbucks Italian Roast with, without the marshmallows and without the chocolate, just straight Italian roast. You have to really buy it from the Starbucks store because in the grocery store, they're giving you a different rendition of it. So the Italian Roast without the marshmallows and chocolate, number one. Number two, I'm going to say Caribou, and I know Caribou, I don't know if they still have the coffee shops in Atlanta, but they, they used to have Caribou coffee shops actually up, up in Atlanta. You know, from North Florida, you have to drive through all those uh, red clay hills to get up there, because once you leave North Florida, you start heading up into Georgia, you're going to find some red clay hills when you're driving. But I'm going to say the Italian roast by Starbucks without the marshmallows, and without the chocolate, just the straight, delicious Italian roast and one of those big pound bags from the, the actual Starbucks store is probably the number one coffee out there. Caribou, you can find it in the grocery store. Sometimes you can find just the lighter, mild version, but what you want is the dark. You want the dark mahogany caribou coffee. That's probably the second best coffee out there. Number three. Man, I tell you what, I started drinking, um, you know, and I have to say it's a northern coffee. It's a, it's a New York coffee, the Chock Full of Nuts. I might put Chock Full of Nuts at number three, but get the dark version. They have a mild version that's pretty good, but the dark, bold, 100% um, Arabica New York Roast Intense Dark. It's the dark, bold, and intense Chock Full of Nuts. Premium coffee since 1932. That's a pretty good coffee, too. So I'm going to say Starbucks Italian Roast. Um, Caribou Mahogany. That's their dark roasted version. And then the uh, Chock Full of Nuts uh, dark and bold version. Maxwell House, probably the fourth one. And I'm talking about the dark, any type of really Dark Roasted Maxwell House is pretty good at number four. I had somebody hit me up on the Facebook group, said they're drinking 8 o'clock coffee. I'm not going to put 8 o'clock in the top four, but I, I could put them at number five. They're uh, French Roast, and it's a darker grind. The French Roast 8 o'clock coffee is pretty good. It's not bad lately. They've been doing some buy one, get ones um, in some of the local grocery stores. So those are some of my, my top coffees out there. Um, JC, I think JC, our Teal Shirt Report podcast producer, has been drinking some McDonald's coffee here recently. And I'm talking about the McDonald's coffee you find at the store, maybe maybe particularly at Walmart. I don't know if that'd be number six or not. I might have to try that. But So I'm giving you kind of my rundown on the ones to get. If you do like coffee, I'm a coffee connoisseur. Get you some, some cream, maybe some of that, if you can find it. It's hard to find stuff now. For a long time, I couldn't find probably my favorite creamer, the Southern Butter Pecan uh, creamer to go in the coffee. I have found it recently. 
you have to check around to your favorite grocery store to find your favorite creamer. Uh, International Delight puts out the Southern Butter Pecan Creamer that's really good. You put that Southern Butter Pecan Creamer in there with kind of a, a touch of whole milk or half and half. It's really, voila, really a, a nice uh, blend. So that's our coffee break. Um, want to say hello to the guys at the Uvala Coffee Corner, Southeast Alabama, listening into the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Mad Max, JC, special hello to you uh, listening in. So good to talk about the Jags defense uh, for a moment here. I was, you know, talking about some of the players on defense like, uh, you know, Roy Roberts and Harris and, you know, some of the other players on defense, Dewan Smoot. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of good, a lot of good defensive players that Jags have that are considered average to maybe better than average players on defense. They've got to turn it on as a group. You know, Devon Hamilton, you know, and the rest, certainly the rest of the guys there. But um, we've got, I pulled up the Jaguars roster a moment ago to take a look at some of the, you know, some of the defensive players. By the way, Leonard Burnett switched numbers uh, when he went to Tampa Bay, right? Uh, but he was 27 when he started with the Jaguars. So 27 is certainly our our episode and show for today. And let me pull up some of the Jaguars. I had some some of the Jaguars defensive players. I had them pulled up a moment ago. Uh, we will explore some of the defensive players when we're talking about defensive tackle and nose guard. Let, let's let's do some of that now. Okay, so uh, I was looking up some information on Jaguars, defensive tackle, nose guard. I mean, it looks like they're going to play a 3-4. They're going to have different looks. I mean, when you're talking about the number one draft pick overall, who is going to be on the field and play? Your number one overall draft pick, Trayvon uh, Walker out of Georgia. Man, the guy's 6'5", 272 to 275 pounds. I imagine he's going to be really put through the paces, staying in shape. So I'm going to say he's he's probably lost a pound or two by now. Let's say 272. The guy can play the big defensive end, I'm assuming, with his size, with his speed. They still say he can play linebacker. However, we weren't talking so much about Trayvon Walker. I think Trayvon Walker and some of the other players can get maximized by the defensive tackle and nose guard play being good to keep the opposing team in second down and long, third down and long, that's going to help the rest of the defense. Let's take a look at some of those players on defense now. Um, that may be helpful. Foy, Foy Aluakon. He's actually a linebacker. I think he'll be a big help, but he's not part of the defensive tackle nose guard situation. But Aluakon, that's Foy Aluakon. Uh, played with, I believe, what, the Atlanta Falcons last year, tackling machine. So he's going to play some linebacker along with uh, <laughs> Devin Lloyd, Trayvon Walker, Chad Muma, who will probably play some special teams, the kid out of uh, Wyoming. So the Jags building some depth in the linebacker. But when we're talking about defensive tackle, nose guard, let's, let's, these guys are going to be key. Let's talk about, some of the guys, I heard Rashawn Jenkins, a safety who got hurt, put on IR about midway through the season last year or toward the end of last year. 
his recovery is is going well, maybe a little bit ahead of um, what was expected. He may return to the lineup by opening day. You know, he's he's been injured. Rashawn Jenkins is a, a safety um, who played, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, played with the Chargers, an NFL veteran, Rashawn Jenkins, who was signed to play safety as a as a free agent for the Jaguars last year in 2021 when Urban Meyer was in Jacksonville. Uh, got Andre Sisco, who played toward the end of last season as a safety, and the injury to Rayshon Jenkins got him on the field finally, I think. Um, late in the season, I don't think the Jags really took that much of a game day look at Andre Sisco till late in the year, and he played pretty well. But now we want to concentrate on defensive tackle, and nose guard, and even the big ends. You know, uh, Roy Robertson Harris kind of strikes me as a defensive tackle type, but he's listed as a defensive end. He's six foot five, two hundred ninety eight pounds. He's going to be a big key up the front, up up the middle, I should say. Adam Gotts is another one of these big defensive ends, but he's going to push the pocket and play toward the middle and stop the run. I saw him make one of the most ferocious tackles I've ever seen anybody make against Arizona last year. One of the best fundamentally sound tackles. And this is a guy only been playing American football because he's from Australia. He's only been playing American football since he was in college at Georgia Tech. Uh, he's 29 years of age, about 6'4", 287, one of those big ends. And he's he's going to push the pocket, going to make a lot of tackles. However, Gotts is probably – will not be a starter, but he'll be in the rotation because he, he has been re-signed by the Jaguars. Um, some other defensive line people, I mean, Jay Tufeli was drafted in the fourth round of the USC, and I think during COVID or the pandemic, if you will, I think he sat out a whole season, kind of got behind. Last year, he had an injury in pregame warm-ups and it really kind of messed up his whole rookie year. He's 6'3", 305. Does he get back on the field in uh, 2022? I think he's a key guy. Fourth-round pick last year, 2021, out of USC. Jay Tafeli, defensive tackle, 6'3", 305. Malcolm Brown, a guy the Jaguars got from the Saints in 2021 as a free agent, as the Saints were trying to, as they did this year, trying to uh, get under the salary cap. Malcolm Brown, 6'2", 320, playing defensive tackle. He'll be a key player. Uh, Dewan Smoot, more of a kind of big end. But, you know, Dewan Smoot is a pass-rushing guy that can play that big linebacker or defensive end or even get up in the middle and try to stop the run. Dewan Smoot, 6'3", 264. And uh, there's some other guys I want to talk about. Those are just a few. Uh, this roster I'm looking at is not the most up-to-date because I see that uh, Damian Wilson is still on the roster. He's long gone, not on the team. Devon Hamilton's a key player, 6'4", 320 defensive tackle or nose tackle, if you will. The guy the Jaguars got from the Jets, Foley Fadakasi, defensive tackle, 6'4", 318 from the New York Jets, makes a lot of tackles, pushes the pocket. He's the guy you want. He's a guy that's got to excel as a free agent in 2022. Jags got enough uh, defense alignment, defensive tackle, nose guard types, big ends right up the middle to get the job done. Let's see if they can. If The whole key, when you watch the Jaguars defense play, they've got to get teams in third and long, second and long, and then your pass rushers 
and they got a lot of them. The Jaguars got a lot of pass rushers, and they can excel with situational football. Second and long, third and long. You get the opposing team into that, and they're not having as much success rushing the football, then the defense can really excel. Then you'll see the pass rushers get more sacks, and when the opposing offense gets frustrated, the quarterback's going to throw some tip passes that are going to be intercepted. And that's how the defense improves. A lot of people like the talent on the Jaguars defense, and I, I do too. I think the free agent signings, the two guys, I believe, or even the third guy, the guy from San Francisco, uh, the defensive end the Jaguars got from San Francisco, and the you know the linebacker from the Falcons, and the uh, and those guys, their names are hard to pronounce. By the way, we we talked about Fodakasi a moment ago, but. Um, you know, the Jags ended up with two or three uh, new free agents on defense that are going to play on defense. And then the draft. I mean, when you talk about the first two draft selections being defensive players, this defense has been reworked. There's more depth on the defense, but still, you got to stop the opposing team. You got to stop the run. I think that's got to be the first thing the Jaguars concentrate on, and then everything else can fall into place the pass rushing, sacks, the interceptions. Because this has been a team that over the last two or three years has not gotten a lot of turnovers. That's got to change. And it starts up front, defensive tackle, nose guard, big defensive end, in my opinion. Trayvon Walker, when I heard he's going to play outside linebacker, I said, man, that guy must be at a run at 6'5", 272. Um, I did see him in a, in a film when he was playing for Georgia last year, tip a pass. And I think he was probably standing, I want to say, he wasn't up front playing defensive end. He was probably seven to ten yards down the field, and he deflected a pass, and the defensive back behind him made the interception. At the NFL level, if Trayvon Walker can show the speed, the power, and create a positive influence and make the defense better, that may be just as good as numbers because he may not get that many sacks as many sacks as people think he should or wants to get. He obviously wants to get numbers. The fans want to see Trayvon Walker getting the stats, like the sacks and the tackles. So we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, in that regard. But that's kind of a look at uh, defense. Again, my, my three things I feel are keys to the team really taking off and having perhaps a good season. Because we've heard doom and gloom uh, for years with the Jaguars. I mean, Marone coached his team in 2019. Marone was the coach here, head coach in 2020. Then you got Urban in 2021. Uh, Doug Peterson now is a new coach in 2022. A completely new uh, coaching staff. And that's the key, too. Coaching. What the schemes are going to be. And can the Jaguars, their defensive tackles and nose guards, control the middle and get the Jaguars into situational football where they're forcing the other team to do things with second down and long, third down and long, and then your pass rushers can tee off on the quarterback and the Jags get more sacks at, at that juncture. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, will ETN remain healthy? and not have to go out of games or miss plays due to, you know, maybe repercussions from his, his injury coming back. Let's hope ETN can play a lot of football and be as close to 100% as possible for ETN. LaVisca Chenault, 
if LaVisca can can stop the uh, drop passes, he can drop less. Well, we'll just say it this way. If he can drop less passes, catch the football, move the chains, and put it up into a higher gear, I think Chenault's a key because you've got other receivers that are going to do things around Chenault also. And Chenault's your number three or number four receiver. Let's make no mistake about it. Marvin Jones, Jr., um, Christian Kirk, Christian Kirk and Marvin Jones Jr. are probably your top two. And then you got Zay Jones and LaVisca Chenault probably down at three or four. Um, the Austin kid, Kevin Austin out of Notre Dame, is going to have a shot to make the team. That's probably the number five or number six receiver. Um, then you've got Laquan uh, Treadwell. Laquan Treadwell. A veteran wide receiver that came on toward the end of last year. That's kind of what you got at wide receiver. You got about six guys that could make the team. It's always possible because you know the Jaguars never drafted a wide receiver this year, but they signed uh, the Kevin Austin kid out of Notre Dame real quick and signed him to a pretty good bonus as a uh, free agent, undrafted free agent wide receiver out of Notre Dame. So you got some wide receivers. The uh, the pass roster, but even more importantly, the free agent signings. I mean, Marvin Jones Jr. was a free agent signing in 2021. Christian Kirk, a free agent signing in 2022. Zay Jones, a free agent signing in 2022 now. And, of course, LaVisca Chenault was acquired through the draft a couple of years back when uh, I guess this is going to be LaVisca's third year now. But so he was drafted. Let's see, LaVisca going into 2022 will be his third year. So LaVisca would have been drafted in 2020, playing in 2020 and 2021. And now this year, 2022 will be his third year. But I think LaVisca, Chenault, Etienne, and the Jaguars' defensive line, particularly the defensive tackle, nose guard area, and maybe the big ends that push the pocket are a big key up front as well. And it's going to make that linebacker play better. Those edge rushers, man, they're going to have a chance to tee off when the opposing team gets in those second down and long and third down and long situations. That's what I'm looking for. That defensive tackle nose guard play is going to be a key. I do know that uh, defensive uh, coordinator, new defensive coordinator Mike Codwell has got to coach him up, got to put together a good scheme. That's a key. And I know they're going to be, and, and every defense does this. Most every defense does this nowadays, except for maybe Todd Wash when he was a defensive uh, coordinator for the Jaguars a couple of years back. Thank goodness he's gone. He's not coordinating any defense now. I think he's a defensive line coach with the Lions now. But but you're going to see most defenses with their schemes, they show the opposing offense a lot of different looks. I think you're going to see that from the Jaguars defense. Basically a 3-4, but you'll see things change around a lot. Hey, you got to believe sometimes the Jags are going to say, hey, we're going to put Trayvon Walker on the end. We're going to rush him up the middle. We're going to play him at linebacker. You're going to see Trayvon Walker move around depending on the, the situation. It's uh, situational football, and matchups are key in the NFL as well. So that's some of our take today. Also, uh, taking a look at some other sports, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp scored 20 runs on Saturday night, June the 4th, and beating the Norfolk Tides. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp 20, Norfolk Tides 9. That's a Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp 20, the Norfolk Tides 9 on Saturday night, June the 4th. There was no pitching in that one. 
Big Bats came out. The uh, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp now 28-25 and 25, uh, in the AAA, on the AAA baseball season so far. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp 28-25. and 25. On the 2020 season, as we record this podcast on June the 5th, of 2022. We're going to go inside the underworld of indoor arena and semi-pro football. We'll do that next. Got North Florida Entertainment coming up and much more as the Teal Shirt Report podcast rolls on. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're going to talk about the underworld of indoor arena, semi-pro outdoor football as well. Do have some, uh, got some uh, scores uh, to get to in that realm uh, for you right now. We're going to take a look, going to take a look at um, some of the latest uh, scores uh, throughout indoor football, arena football, semi-pro indoor football. And uh, the National Arena League is seven weeks in now. Going to talk about that as well. The NAL, the National Arena League, Jacksonville Sharks hung on. They were behind in this game in the late in the fourth quarter, scored a touchdown at the end and won the game. The Jacksonville Sharks 72, the San Antonio Gunslingers 67 the final. The Jacksonville Sharks improved to three and four. Also, the Orlando Predators uh, knocked off the Columbus Georgia Lions. And that was on Friday night, June 3rd. The Orlando Predators, 48. The Columbus Georgia Lions, 44. A final on Friday night, June the 3rd of 2022. Brace yourself for this score. Again, we're going to mention no pitching. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, 20. Norfolk Tides, 9. A final on uh, Saturday night, June the 4th, 2022. Big bats in AAA baseball. And, you know, the Jumbo Shrimp did have some some really good games with their pitchers, uh, you know, almost a week ago. But now the bats have come out. The pitching has gone away. And the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, it's the most runs I think they've scored that I can remember. Jacksonville, there may have been a game um, earlier this year or last year where there was just about as many runs scored. But, I mean, this was uh, some big some big O's, some big offense. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp 20, Norfolk Tides 9, a final score on Saturday night, June the 4th of 2022. They got the big bats out in AAA baseball as a Jumbo Shrimp, Jacksonville Jumbo, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp 20, Norfolk Tides 9, final on Saturday, June the 4th of 2022. So back to, uh, we talked about the NAL. And we talked about the Jacksonville Sharks coming from behind, getting a touchdown like on the last play of the game. Um, Mike Hollis, the former Jaguars kicker from what back in the 90s, got on the Sharks roster. Um, we understand Brandon Burr had had left the team. I think he actually, Brandon Burr may have, you know, taken a, taken a, um, you know, a job and left the NAL. And that was the story I had heard. Um, haven't heard the complete story on why Brandon Beers not with the Sharks anymore. But then the the Sharks got another kicker. I think his name's Cody, and maybe he got banged up, or he's not a hundred percent. Then they brought Mike Hollis in this past week, 
who was actually in training camp at a competition against Burr. And, you know, Mike Hollis is like, what, in his early 50s? Still trying to kick? Been a long time since he has kicked in a professional football game. In the NAL, he got the chance to kick. Some of his kickoffs, I heard, uh, through the grapevine were, were not that great. Maybe he did some onside kicks throughout the game as well. So I don't know, Mike Hollis, I don't know if this will be his only game that he plays with the Sharks, or will he possibly stay on the roster longer? We'll just have to see. But uh, Mike Hollis did kick for the Sharks during their victory over the San Antonio Gunslingers, the Jacksonville Sharks 72, the San Antonio Gunslingers 67, a final. As the Jacksonville Sharks improved to 3-4 and four on the current NAL season in 2022, Orlando Predators again 48, the Columbus Georgia Lions 44 final on Friday night, June the 3rd of 2022. We talked about the Jumbo Shrimps and the Jumbo Shrimp, I should say. You know, a lot of people like to call shrimp shrimps, but it's shrimp. Plural is shrimp. You got 20 shrimp, you got 20 runs. Um, So, little English lesson there. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp 20, the Norfolk Tides 9. A lot of offense in that game. Big Bats came out on Saturday, uh, June the 4th. That was on the road up at Norfolk, by the way. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, by the way. The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp now 28-25 and 25 on the 2022 season. As of this Sunday, June the 5th, as we record this podcast. Semi-Pro Football Report. APDFL Playoffs. Pensacola Jets still alive. The Pensacola Jets 32. The Walton Chiefs 28, a final on Saturday, June the 4th of 2022. Special thank you to David Martin, our contributor for this update. David Martin, a longtime semi-pro football player, played for years with the Panhandle Crusaders. He may come back and play next year. He's not currently playing this year, but may come back and, and play if the Panhandle Crusaders start their team back up, or maybe he'll play for another team nearby. But taking a look at these playoff games, the Pensacola Jets 32, the Walton Chiefs 28, a final on Saturday, June the 4th, 2022. Again, a special thank you to David Martin, our contributor, for this update and report from the APDFL playoffs. Other APDFL playoff action in the playoffs, the Alabama Sabres 13, Tuskegee Airmen 2, a final. I believe that team's from near the Birmingham area, according to David Martin. The Georgia Thrashers, 26. The Alabama Blackhawks, 24, a final. And those playoff games were on Saturday night, June the 4th of 2022 in the APDFL. Want to thank Solo Solo Don Dadalin for reporting this score to me. Uh, Though a tough loss for his team, the Argyle Avengers, on the road. In the EAFL playoffs on Saturday night, June the 4th of 2022, the Bay Area Reapers 20, the Argyle Avengers 8, a final score on Saturday night, June the 4th of 2022. You know, down, they played down where? Around the, you know, around Central Florida, Tampa area. The uh, Bay Area Reapers 20, the Argyle Avengers 8, and Argyle had to play that game on the road down in uh, Central Florida. I heard the uh, Bay Area Reapers, they went 10-0 on their regular season. Argyle, after their playoff loss, followed, I believe, 9-3 on the season. They've had a great season, but the Reapers were undefeated 10-0 on their regular season. 
and I heard the Bay Area Reapers, Lavelle Blue, who I I, I like the guy. I, you know, he's played for many teams. I've seen him play for the West Coast Soldiers, the Southern Steam. And Lavelle Blue had three tackles in the game for the uh, Bay Area Reapers, playing a little bit of linebacker and defensive back in this uh, particular game. So that's kind of an inside look at um, semi-pro football outdoor and the playoffs and the outdoor level of semi-pro football. We talked NAL and um, arena football. I had talked to Coach Bobby Damerall about the situation with the Alabama Empire. That game was under review, and I believe uh, most people have told me that the – I haven't got the official word yet, but I believe the Southern Steam and the EIF uh, officially receive a forfeit over the Alabama Empire in that game played a couple of weeks ago. Speaking of the Southern Steam, uh, they will no longer be playing up in Macon. Their next game will be in Swanee, Georgia. Then they've got a couple of games uh, uh, scheduled for Orlando. I think Coach uh, Bobby Damroll is looking for a new home for his team. Uh, He had told us the game didn't finish. The venue kind of shut them down and made everyone leave the Empire. The game was, uh, I believe... uh, called in the fourth quarter the empire you know had i think a 51 38 lead in that game they were leading the game but uh, due to what was transpiring the game was under review and i believe a forfeit as i understand it a forfeit has been awarded to the southern steam in the eif um and coach damerall went on to say it'd be a miracle if they were allowed to you know play another game up in macon due to what transpired from the alabama empire um, they're looking for a new venue. However, we understand they've got some games scheduled coming up. They will be playing June the 11th in Swanee. The Southern Steam will play June the 11th in Swanee, Georgia. And then they got games on June 18th and June 25th in Orlando. The next game on June the 11th in Swanee will be, I believe, against the Peach State Cats. Um, and I asked Coach Damerall about the Swanee, Georgia field. And I asked him what the facility in Swanee is called. He said this it's called Silverbacks. And he sent me a picture of the field. Pretty nice looking uh, indoor field and carpet there. So good luck to the Southern Steam. They play the Peach State Cats in Swanee, Georgia on June the 11th. That's their next game coming up. I understand they were awarded a forfeit for all of that that transpired up in Macon, In other words, the victory for the Alabama Empire was taken away from them uh, due to basically their own fault doing things that, you know, got uh, players and teams kicked out of that venue up in Macon, uh, realistically, you know, what what happened. So I was waiting to hear from Coach Damerall on if they officially got the win through the grapevine. I'm hearing uh, the Elite Indoor Football League, you know, has awarded the Southern Steam that win. Uh, the game couldn't be completed, and it was due to the Alabama Empire. Issues by the Alabama Empire emanating from their locker room and through things they were doing at the facility um, during during the game, actually. We won't go into all of it then or, or all of it now, but we'll say that June, you know, coming up, the um, – we will say the Southern Steam does have another game coming up, and uh, they will be playing, as we mentioned, they, they do have a game coming up uh, next week, in fact. Uh, their next game will be uh, June the 11th, uh, 
as we talked to Coach Damerall a day or two ago, and he told us um, about the next game. Let's see. That was uh, Peach State Cats. That's going to be up in uh, Swanee, Georgia, actually, against the Peach State Cats on June the 11th in Swanee, Georgia, at a facility called Silverbacks. Nice-looking indoor football facility. Coach Damerall sent me the pictures of it, so it looks pretty good. They'll be playing at Silverbacks in Swanee, Georgia, on June the 11th versus the Peach State Cats, and I believe that is officially a road game for the Southern Steam. They are kind of the road warriors out there in indoor football, if you will. Uh, We're also going to uh, take a look at, um, let's do that now. Let's take a look at some um, North Florida entertainment. We're going to mention Debo Samuel. Uh, There were some things on Twitter floating around that said, hey, the Jags might be in on maybe the trade for Debo Samuel. And then I saw a report from a day ago, the general manager of San Francisco said they would not be trading Debo Samuel. So that's kind of the latest. But, you know, any things can change a week or two down the road. You know how much the NFL changes. And you look at who the coaches are. Coaches are gone. Players are gone. They're on new teams. We saw a lot of movement uh, during the offseason in 2022, be it uh, free agency, players being signed, players being cut, players being drafted. The NFL is a 12-month league. A lot of movement, a lot of moving parts, and we cover it, you know, right here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Let's uh, now check in, or simply let's uh, take a look, if, if we can, at some of the concerts around the area. Still kind of in an updating uh, mode of uh, concerts uh, that are coming up. And uh, so let's take a look at some of the latest concerts that are coming up over the summer. Steely Dan at the uh, Times Union Center. Steely Dan at the Times Union Center in Jacksonville, Florida. This is a makeup uh, postponed show from last year that has been rescheduled. That's right. The Steely Dan show has been rescheduled for July the 20th of 2022 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Times Union Performing Arts Moran Center in the downtown Jacksonville, Florida area. That's near where the, you know, not too far, just just about, about a half a block from the old landing or right in that vicinity. Uh, the Brett Floyd show was on Wednesday night, June the 1st at the Florida Theater. That one's in the books now. Ted Nugent, uh, Ted Nugent coming up on Saturday, July the 16th of 2022 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Florida Theater here in Jacksonville, Florida. Don't forget to tune in to the Mad Max Mix Internet Radio Wednesday night musical quest show from 7 o'clock until 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time and 6 o'clock until 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time, and it can be accessed at www.madmaxmix.weebly.com or simply go to our bigjreport.com website and go to the Neighbors 2 page or even the Outside the Box section and find the article on Mad Max and the Mad Max Mix. Um, And check out the Mad Max Mix Wednesday nights with uh, Mad Max at madmaxmix.weebly.com. Also, Greta Van Fleet coming to Jacksonville, Florida in October, on October the 21st of 2022 at 8 o'clock p.m. Tickets on sale now for Greta Van Fleet. Showtime and date, that'll be on Friday. That's a few months away on Friday, October the 21st of 2022 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena uh, here in Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, we've got more of our interview with uh, Buzz coming up 
with B-Buzz. Uh, coming up, uh, we'll do segment number two. Um, we did part one on episode show 26. This is episode show number 27 now. And we've got uh, part two coming up of our conversation with uh, B-Buzz. We worked with Buzz uh, at a couple of different radio stops years and years ago. And we're going to do more of our interview on Jacksonville, Florida, North Florida, uh, the history of music. I did see that uh, the old West Side home of uh, some of the Leonard Skinner members, I, I believe the home of Ronnie Van Zant and Johnny Van Zant uh, grew up is now for sale on the West Side of Jacksonville. I, you know, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, too, so... Where I lived in Jacksonville on the west side was probably about two or three miles, maybe, from the old uh, Van Zant house. In fact, let me pull up the info. I've got the exact info about them selling the house. Uh, it's basically a landmark. Uh, here we go. The boyhood home of Leonard Skinner's Ronnie Van Zant up for sale. Uh, and this was according to ABC News. Uh, you know, and I mentioned on Twitter, I grew up only about two or three miles from this house on the west side of Jacksonville, Florida. When I was a young boy, I, I believe, you know, I also went to the same junior high school as Johnny Van Zant, who was the, certainly the much younger brother of the legend Ronnie Van Zant, the singer that tragically, tragically died in the plane crash. Uh, that, you know, Leonard Skinner's uh, group was in back way back in 1977. So, again, the boyhood home, the boyhood home of Leonard Skinner's Ronnie Van Zant, the Florida house where Leonard Skinner's rock legend Ronnie Van Zant and his brothers Donnie and Johnny and their family grew up in, apparently is up for sale. You know, there's a, you know, there's a landmark, like a landmark sign that says uh, Leonard Skinner on there. I'm going to have to go out to them, maybe take some pictures out there. A lot of people have. and uh, But, you know, I thought that was interesting, especially now that we're going to be uh, hearing part two of our conversation uh, with Buzz concerning Jackson, the history of Jacksonville, Florida music. Let's uh, rejoin our interview with Buzz. This is part two of our, our interview and talk about the history of Jacksonville uh, Florida music. We did part two. If you want to hear part one, go back to episode show 26. This is episode show number 27. So this will be part, this will be actually part two of our conversation and interview and discussion with Buzz uh, concerning the history of Jacksonville, Florida music. Let's now join that, that interview from just, just a few days ago. You know, Buzz, uh, Buzz is sitting here. Uh, we're talking music, Jacksonville, Florida music, and, you know, other stuff, too. I know Buzz has uh, been a fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars from time to time, and we'll get his opinion on that. But And I know they've lost a lot of games here in the, you know, the recent here, time. Well, they've had, you know, they've had their, their good days, too. We're going to talk more with Buzz, B-Buzz. You. you got it right there, B-Buzz. And you told everybody, you know, in the initial segment, and, you know, you were on episode show number 10 way back in 2020. That was a while back. It was, and now we're glad to have you back. The pandemic is, you know, for the most part over with. You did tell me you were concerned about another variant popping up, right? Yeah, and I think it's in Virginia. I'm, I'm not sure exactly where it is, but it's, you know, some people have got it again, you know. I'm well, we, we won't dwell on that, but, you know, on the last segment, you said you were 70, 
And I said, don't tell them. I said, don't tell them that. No, but and I appreciate you, Scott, you know, being able to do this. You know, I, I love radio. Yeah, and the, and the podcast, the podcast is very similar to radio, of course. Um, and like I said, we've been doing the podcast since uh, mid-January 2020. This is our third year of the podcast now. And this is, um, well, we're, incredible. yeah, we did 82 episodes the first year, 82 episodes the second year. And as you and I record this uh, on May 22nd, 2022, we've done the next podcast that we complete is going to be episode show 26 of this year. Okay. So if you add the you add 26 with 82 the first year, 82 the second year, now 26 part of the third year, and we got you know got another seven months or more in the year to go. But I'm glad to have you. I've been wanting to get together with you and talk Jacksonville music. What about the list? Now you still got the list of different things. We talked about Hoyt Axton. We talked about Leonard Skinner. You said Rita Coolidge. Now what about Rita Coolidge? There's some people think she's from other places. Is she from Jacksonville? As far as I know, I mean, that's that's the local legend. That she was a great singer, but, you know, I'm sounding like I'm, I can't remember much about her. She has uh, had a hit. Well, she's been, you know, she's probably got more than one hit, I'm guessing, but, and I know yeah. the name. Yeah, I think you're right. Hey, let's talk about, now, Rita Coolidge is cool. I, I've liked her songs. I didn't realize she was from Jacksonville. She went to, uh, gosh, what was her, I think she went to Robert E. Lee. Did she? Okay. I think so. I got you. Let me let me ask you a couple other things here. There was also another guy I wanted to talk about. Everybody knows, most everybody, young and old, know this guy, Pat Boone. I love Pat Because, you know, they see Pat Boone, even the younger generation, they see him on these, these late-night commercials talking about whatever. But now, and Pat Boone had some, Pat Boone was primarily probably like a 50s and 60s singer around the time Elvis was. Yeah, pretty much. The, him and Elvis were pretty good at, pretty good friends. So they met each other, knew each other. Yeah. And um, now, now here's an interesting thing about Pat Boone. I'm just going to throw it out there. My dad told me, my dad told me that you know Pat Boone was from Jacksonville, or he spent time in Jacksonville. You probably know better than I do. But during the summers in Jacksonville, my dad used to play baseball with Pat Boone. Oh, really? Yeah. How, when they were kids? Or? During the summertime, I think they were in some type of youth league or they just they just played, ba a bunch of kids played baseball. And I think Pat That's Boone, cool. he spent time in the same, my, my dad grew up, uh, you know, around that Woodmere Riverside area in Jacksonville. And my, my yeah, and your, your son lives near where actually where my dad yeah. lived when I was, gosh, uh, before I was born, my dad lived over there. He and uh, uh, my grandfather and grandmother, and my dad and his uh, couple of sister. He had one sister and one brother, actually. But my dad played baseball with Pat Boone, so he knew Pat Boone back in the day. Well, and I th always thought that Pat Boone was a good singer. He was. Yeah. And you know, he's he's managed to stay alive all this time. He is. He must be taking some good ingredients like you, Buzz. Yeah, could be, could be, but I like him. You know, I remember being a kid. I thought Pat Boone was just fine with me, man. And then he, rock and roll. This was some of it, Pat Boone. And, and he did was good rock and roll. Good, good rock and roll, right? Yeah, yeah. I was, I'll listen to that any day. Yeah. 
and he's I'll it, listen to the Almond Brothers, and I'll listen to Pat Boone. List can go on and on. Yeah, and uh, you know, and then Pat Boone had a daughter, Debbie Boone, who had that song "Light Up My Life." And uh, everybody that I tell this to, they they laugh in my face. It's like I love this song. You light up my life. You give me hope to carry on. And uh, that's, that's a good rendition. I mean, after all, the Cramps let you sing with them, right? Yeah, <laughs> Pat Boone should. <laughs> That's still around, man. I, I will tell you something interesting that, you know, Larry King passed away here. I, I, I hand, yeah, maybe two, three, four years ago. But you still see Larry King late at night sometimes on infomercials. Did you know that? He comes back from the grave. <laughs> no, I think they're just they're just recorded. Yeah, they're just recorded. Even though, I I could I could tell you that since my, you know, since my. Um, you know, my late wife passed away, and, and I know one time you and I went to breakfast at Beach's Diner, and we were talking about my late wife, and all of a sudden a, a horn started going off in the parking lot. It's like your wife was trying to tell you something. It's like, get that buzz guy. <laughs> start up a radio station. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah, and we That's do want to mention uh, we do want to mention one of our sponsors, Lake Yabala Hits. Uh, dot com great internet radio where it's all good and um, they do um, rock saturdays hits 2000s monday through friday nights and they do uh, you know late at night they do deep tracks unique songs uh album cuts yeah, so quite a variety that. yeah and, and, and yeah we're we're heading we're going to be doing some some internet radio as time goes on too buzz as you know i'm all for it i'm all for it i mean i love radio i've always loved radio and I, I just like being the DJ. Hey, make sure you say hello to Mad Max. He's our Georgia Bulldog football insider. But more importantly, even, well, Max is going to tell you that the Georgia Bulldogs are probably the most important thing, you know, other than the Lord, I'm sure. But I was, I was going to tell you that Max does a Wednesday night. It's an internet radio Wednesday night musical quest show. Buzz is writing this down now. The Mad Max Mix. And it's on madmaxmix.weebly.com. But if you go to our website, bigjreport.com, you can scroll our website in the Neighbors 2 section and the Outside the Box section. And Max does play a lot of music that you like, Buzz. I'll tell you that. I got to tune him in. That's what I want to be doing. You know, what Somebody asked me what I would like to do. What would I like to be when I grew up? Yeah. They, they said this to me about a week ago. When you grow up, when I when I grow up, hopefully by then I will have grown up. Yeah, but uh, it's gonna it's all gonna work out. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know you got a lot of Jacksonville groups on here now. You like John Lennon, the Beatles. How were you on Paul McCartney's solo stuff? Because I really like his solo I stuff. It's fantastic. You know, I mean, he was the guy who's when the Beatles came on Ed Sullivan show, the first song they did in America was. Close your eyes and I'll kiss you. Tomorrow I'll miss you. That's the kind of music I like. I got you. I kind of tasty. Yeah, it's just fantastic. And, and now, what about? I'm seeing some other names on on this list. Um, there's a lot of you got a lot of names on the list here. Tell me, tell hey Buzz, uh, you got a big list of people from Jacksonville. But tell me, what were your, what were your, as far as Jacksonville groups go, what were your favorite concerts that you ever went to? Probably Pink Floyd. <laughs> and they weren't from Jacksonville, though. But. Come to think of it, yeah. I was just thinking that the best, the best. Pink where was the, uh, where was the Pink Floyd show you went to? 
Jacksonville Coliseum. The old at the old Jacksonville Coliseum. But you know they weren't from Jacksonville. I, I, I jumped ahead of myself, I guess. So let's go. So Pink, you and I both like Pink Floyd. I, I love Pink Floyd, Comfortably Numb, and all those great songs. And um, what was that? What was, what was the song where the where the phone's ringing? The phone keeps ringing, and he says, uh, "It's United States calling." We we kind of get lost in these Pink Floyd songs. Great songs. How do you like? Uh, you get lost more than I do. That's interesting. I've gotten lost before. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you something. You know, I really like. I don't know how you feel about him. Roger Waters was a well, was a good player, obviously, oh, yeah, a, one of the leading players. But I was. I'm a big. I'm probably more of a big David Gilmore fan of him playing the guitar. But uh, I, I think Pink Floyd is just all. All of them are great musicians. And uh, luckily, I was able to go see them in Jacksonville. Yeah. Got a Jacksonville thing here, you know. Hey, do you have any here, you know? Yeah. yeah, because you live here. What about Sid Barrett? Any comment on Sid Barrett? Sid Barrett, who was with Pink Floyd and had an untimely death and kind of went off the deep end. Yeah, I, I feel bad, but, you know, I didn't know him, you know. But I, 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 I felt... You know, he wasn't exactly treated right. Were some of these songs later on after he passed away, were any of the songs Pink Floyd did, were some of them maybe aimed at Sid Barrett, maybe? Yeah. And I, I, I can't remember exactly what it was. Is anybody out there? <laughs> Not if you hear me. And this is supposed to be Jacksonville. Yeah, let's get back to Jacksonville. What about the list, Buzz? Let's get back to the list. Now, I'm pulling your list out. You had some kind of garage. Is there some kind of garage band from Jacksonville? Let's get, let's get back to Buzz. What are you doing with the list now? You got the list. You got it on the white pages there. Yeah, I stuck it on a pile. And, and Buzz, Buzz does, we are on location right now at an undisclosed location. And uh, I will tell you that we do do we do some reporting. That's funny how I said do do, but we 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 do some reporting sometimes on indoor football, and sometimes I like to call it in a nice I'm, I'm, it's a, in a nice complimentary way we'll say the underworld of indoor football because there's a lot of different leagues in that. But what I was going to look at, I wanted to see the list because I mean you you worked on this list a long time. You've got uh, Scott McKenzie. Tell us about Scott McKenzie, the song he did. You're going. To San Francisco. Was he was he originally from Jacksonville? He spent time in Jacksonville. I don't know if he lived here or what the situation is, but that's one of the greatest songs ever. Okay. You know, they opened up a Monterey Pop Festival in 1967. Were you at Woodstock, Buzz? The audience wants to know, were you actually at Woodstock? No, I didn't even. <laughs> I heard about it after it was over. It was like, but, okay, well. You, you got to understand that as I'm looking at Buzz here, Buzz has got a little, he's put in a little time over the years. And, and uh, we're, I worked with Buzz at a couple different radio stops. And Buzz has been, been around for a long, long time. And of course, I have too, but Buzz has got me beaten. We're that, still here. Still got me beaten that longevity. But you, you went to Terry Parker, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Went to Terry Parker. First, I went to Bishop Kenny. Okay. Then the next two years, I went to uh, Terry Parker. Yeah. You didn't get kicked out of Kenny or anything, did you? 
No, it's like I put it this way. I liked Terry Parker. <laughs> okay, there you go. Uh, I'm just going to – Stevie – let's see, Stevie Stiletto. Who was that? Stevie Stiletto. Uh, he was like – he was real popular in Jacksonville, and I can't remember. Stevie Stiletto. I, you know, I and then this is so yeah, this is from your list now. Let me see. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Skinner, you got uh, Molly Hatchet. We talked about Molly Hatchet and Skinner, Limp Biscuit. Who were the Lemon Twisters? They were a band from the 50s. They were from Jacksonville, and I think they even had a country show's uh, show on TV, and it was it's country. Okay. They were back then. It's were, were they a country group? I would say so. Okay. Okay. And now I, I, I'm seeing this. You got something on here. The Garage Party, the Lysergic Garage Party. Garage Party. What was that? It was a rock band that um, Lysergic Garage Party. <laughs> it had something to do with LSD, and I don't know exactly what it was. So, Buzz, let me ask you a question. In certain parts of your life. <laughs> When you're doing all this and you're not, well, I didn't mean it that way. When you're doing all these things, like listen to music yeah. and you, you remember a lot of it. Some of it you you forgot maybe. Yeah. And, uh, but there's a lot. Now look at all this here. You got Derek trucks. Who, who were the, uh, who were the Vikings? Not the Minnesota Vikings, I, I guess. No, they were, they were popular back in the sixties. I think it was the early sixties. They were from here. Yeah. <laughs> really? I, okay. Yeah, that they were okay. The Vikings, and let me see. I'm looking at the list here. I'm, Buzz got Limp Biscuit on here. The Illusions. Um, gosh, what is it? The Dream Weavers. Who were the Dream Weavers? I don't know much about them. I think it was just I was looking for groups to come out of Jacksonville, and okay, they made the list. <laughs> they made the list. Okay. They, 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 well, they got it. They got a. They got a line in our in our podcast of Dream Weavers. Then I saw another one. I saw another one over here. Gosh, there's a lot of uh, Tim McGraw was originally from Jacksonville. Yes, his his mom. Let's see, Tug McGraw. Right, Tug McGraw. Now Tug McGraw. He in the, he, he was he was a pitcher. Yeah, pitched for the Mets, and I think did he pitch here in the minor he leagues? In, in uh, Jacksonville, relief pitcher. Relief pitcher. Yeah, Tug McGraw, he, he was a funny guy. You know, he's a really good pitcher, man. Okay. He really was. Uh, I'm seeing some other names down here. Uh, uh, Ed Cotton. Uh, who was Duck Butter? <laughs> I think it was a – he heard a one-shot wonders. or <laughs> Yeah, Duck Butter. <laughs> Duck Butter. It's like somebody thought they were cool by having yeah. – Name called the okay. Duck Butters. Okay, that was a group. Duck, Duck Butter was a group. Uh, as far as I can tell. Duck, see, Buzz. Went out to buy the Buzz has been writing these down. I'm, hey, let me tell you a story about Classics Four. Okay. Okay, so. They're from Jacksonville, definitely. And and you remember the song Sunny. Sunny. Now you know my. Now you know when my dad passed away, that was one of his songs that we included in the service because my dad's name was Sunny. But do you know the reason why? Also, another reason why that song was included in my my dad's uh, celebration of life service was because I remember when I was a kid, my dad got so excited one time he brought this album home, and it was I think it was Classics Four 
I think he had I think he had seen some of those guys with classic forty and gotten an album and he brought it home. Oh man, what did you think about the music that you heard once you got? Well, I, I think he liked it. There was a song that had his name in it, I believe. Oh well, then I would like that too. Yeah, and now Ray Charles, I had always heard, I had always heard he was from from Albany, Georgia. Of course, I I lived in that part of the the world at one time uh, there and west of there. But you say Ray Charles was also from Jacksonville or somewhere? Yeah, he was from Jacksonville. Well, he lived in Jacksonville, and he actually kept at it until he died. And you know, he did the song "Georgia on My Mind," which kind of became like Georgia's state song. Yeah, yeah. the state song. Georgia, so, Georgia. That's all I remember. Buzz, you know, Buzz can sing. He can still. He's. He's. You know, I'm not going to say his age again. He already. He already disclosed that. But, <laughs> but there's a group. Who is Lovecraft? That's my son's band. Oh, okay. Okay. How did they do? Did they do anything of consequence? Yeah, they're they're the music they did was yeah. was fine with me. That was my son John. Okay. And what so, what kind of music does your son do? Is it stuff that you enjoy? Rock and roll music. Okay. Okay. And I know you like rock and roll music. I know you like. You like British Invasion. You're into you're into Southern rock too. Yeah, and anything that's tasty, that's rock and roll, not just not just rock and roll, but what? How, how do you normally put it? You, you it doesn't rock if it doesn't roll. Oh, it doesn't. So you got to have rock with the roll. Okay, yeah. I got you. What about now? You got Blind Blake on here. I don't think we're talking about Brother Bortles here. Who was Blind Blake? Do you know? He was a guy who lived in Jacksonville early on. He was a black guy and great singer. Okay. We liked it so much, we put it on another record that we worked on. Okay. And uh, so we got Blind Blake, Blackfoot. We talked about Blackfoot. Now, what about uh, what about Gary U.S. Bonds? He was from around here. Gary U.S. Bonds, yeah, he had a... Uh, my, well, I think it was a, my Tallahassee Lassie. Oh, yeah. I think that was, that was him. I think... And then Gary U.S. Bonds was around for a pretty good while. I'm thinking about it now. Okay, yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, let's see. There was a, a band called the Rubber Band. I, I could really only remember the Rubber Band song, the Rubber Band Man or whatever. But this this group is called Rubber Band. Yeah, I think it's a um, great name for a band. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, I see. I remember this name. Johnny Tillotson was from, from Jacksonville. When I see my baby, da 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 what do I see? Da, 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 da. Now, poetry, now, poetry in motion. Hey, da, 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 da. hey, what about this name? What about this name, Buzz? Slim Whitman. <laughs> Slim Whitman, hey. He was a uh, king of the, uh, what, what did he, he, he had to have been, now, now you said he was from the outlying part of Jacksonville, like maybe, uh, Lake, County. Lake County, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He lived in a house that he called, what did he call it? Can't remember. I'll remember it less, next time we get together. Okay. I may have even done some research. Now, what was now? You remember when Leonard Skinner? They used to practice out, and I think it was it was out. It was that it was west of the west side of Jacksonville. It might have been Green Cove Springs, maybe or Orange yeah, Park. I know what you're talking about. Uh, wasn't it called? It was called the Hell Box or the Hot House or something like that. Yeah, and, and, it like, and it was a small building they rehearsed in, I believe. But they were a big band and other hangers-on, you know. 
Now, 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 everybody, and, we, and we've seen this in documentaries about Sweet Home Alabama, which is probably one of the most popular songs they ever did because it's ended up, you know, it's ended up in movies. Yeah, um, it'll still be out. It'll be out there for years to come. Yeah. I think Ed, I think Ed King got a, I think Ed King actually, didn't Ed King get a uh, mention in who wrote that? I know Ronnie wrote it. And, and there might have been two or three different names on, on the actual writing of the song, I believe. Right. Yeah, Ronnie Van Zant. You know, any Leonard Skinner song that came out, it's like he had a hand in writing it. Yeah. Well, they say that Ronnie went out fishing, and he actually wrote the song in just just a few minutes. Yeah. But I believe somebody else came up with the opening riff, and then he heard the riff. He said, "I like that," and then he went out went out to the creek fishing, and then he kind of wrote the song. Yeah, I think he went out and uh, he found a good spot to do. He he told everybody in the band, while I'm gone, I'm gonna go fishing. Keep doing it. Keep keep playing those riffs. Yeah. And uh, and it was uh, idea. and uh, Ed Ronnie King Ed King. Right. I mean, I can I can look I can look it up real quick since uh, we're sitting here. Buzz. Some uh, sometimes during the podcast, I can I can actually look things up while we're doing it. So I can, you know, pull up some information because constantly we're talking about stuff. Um, let me pull up who wrote that song. I think there were two or three people that got the credit on who wrote Sweet Home Alabama. And I think Ed, I think Ed, I think Ed King got a credit for that. But let's Probably see. So. He did get some copyrights. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, Sweet Home Alabama. Okay. Talking about sweet, and they love the song up in Alabama. I will tell you that they use it for a lot of theme songs up I there. Don't blame them. Yeah, uh, let's see. Sweet Home Alabama is a song by uh, American Southern rock band Leonard Skinner that first appeared in 1974 on their second album, Second Helping. The song was written in response to Neil Young talking about, I think, Southern Man, right? When they, they mentioned Southern buddies. Man. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think they were. They, yeah, they were, well, I think they were good buddies. I think, but again, it was probably a little bit of competitive spirit there. I'm sure in Which music. Is good for music. Yeah. So let's take a look at. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to find the composer. Here, here are the composers of the song, "Sweet Home Alabama." The credits on the song: Ronnie Vincent went out into the creek fishing, wrote the lyrics. Ed King, I think Ed. Ed King and Gary Rossington, one of those two guys, actually came up with the riff. Yeah, both of them, Ed King and Gary Rossington. But um, so the composers of Sweet Home Alabama was actually Ronnie Van Zant, Ed King, and um, Gary Rossington. Did Ed King pass away? I hadn't heard that he passed away. I I just and this is kind of this is kind of strange to me because I just saw Ed King. On an interview, I think he was maybe living in Nashville as a as a songwriter, and now I'm seeing something on here that you know Gary Rossingham was born in 1951. He's still living at this juncture. Yeah, and Ronnie Van Zant passed away in '77 in a plane crash. But now I do see something about Ed King passing away, perhaps in uh, 2018, and I didn't realize that. But sometimes, um, what's interesting on the internet is sometimes you'll read. You can't believe everything you read, but um, let's see. Ed King. Let's see if I can pull up a little information on Ed King uh, real quick as we continue to talk about music. 
Jacksonville music. Um, Ed King, let's see, he was born in uh, September 14, 1949. Um, and he must have passed away in 2018 because it says here he lived from uh, September 14, 1949 and, uh, up until August 22nd of 2018. I didn't realize Ed King had actually passed away. I, I didn't really know that, but that's what the information is saying. He was, uh, Ed King was also credited for uh, the song, what was it, Incense and Peppermints with, uh, sing that, the Strawberry Alarm Clock, sing that little bit of that. Incense. How does it go? Incense and Peppermints? I forget the words. <laughs> I think it was Incense and Peppermints. So, so uh, that's what it's saying. Edward Calhoun King, it said he passed away in 2018. It says Edward Calhoun King. Must be true. Uh, so, yeah, if it's on the internet, right? <laughs> but um, I just, I saw Ed King, uh, he, he was interviewed about the song Sweet Home Alabama. And of course, it could have been recorded before. Obviously, if he was interviewed, it, it was recorded, uh, obviously, before he passed away. Um and I didn't, I didn't really know Ed King had actually passed away. Okay, here we go. Leonard Skinner, guitarist, Ed King, uh, dead at 68. And that's a report. I guess you can trust Rolling Stone. I guess that's a Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, Ed King, the Leonard Skinner guitarist who joined the band in 1972 to give the Southern Rock group its uh, iconic uh, three guitar sound, died in Nashville. And so he passed away actually in 2018. That's something we kind of learned on. We kind of learned that on the, the podcast today, recording it. I would say so. We did. And yeah, uh, that's. I, I didn't know that. I was thinking, oh, yeah, he's, he's still up and at him. You know? Well, I posted, let me tell you, I posted an interview with Ed King in our BigJReport.com Facebook group. And I want to say I posted it maybe two years ago, maybe two, three years ago. So really, when I posted it, I think Ed probably had already passed away. Um, but he he was in Nashville. Apparently, he passed away in Nashville. He did some interviews. It was a really cool interview because he was the interview he was doing. He was talking about how the song "Sweet Home Alabama" came about to begin with. Yeah, this, they knew they had a hit on their hands too. They did. They you know from the opening lick. In fact, I think Ronnie was so impressed with the opening riffs of that song. He said, "Man, I like that. Keep doing it." And then he, then he went out fishing on the, on the creek of Green Cove Springs or Clay County somewhere. Yeah, and he, uh, he, he I, I think he wrote the whole song like in a matter of minutes or an hour or two. You'd be surprised of how many songs are like that. You know, you just do it real quick and it's done. Yeah, and and I mean it's a. Uh, and now it's Sweet Home Alabama. The song is uh, is is a lifetime of music that's left for the people that remember Leonard Skinner, and even in the future, people will always know that song. Yeah, that's a, that's the case, man. I'm, I'm... What was your favorite Leonard Skinner song? Was it Sweet Home Alabama, or maybe something else? It's probably something off of Street Survivors, their last album. Okay. Can't really put my finger on. I tell you what we'll do on the next on the next podcast. What might be a good idea the next time you and I get together and talk? We'll kind of research Leonard Skinner and we'll talk about some of their songs yeah. because you know what's really cool, uh, Buzz, is that 
I've actually gone on YouTube and I've listened to some Leonard Skinner songs. I said, you know, I really don't remember that one. And all of a sudden, I listened to a song by them. I'm not going to say which one, but I'm going to go back and research it like I'm sure you will. But but all of a sudden, you hear a song and you say, man, that song would stand up today. I mean, there's there, there in other words, there's songs where, you know, you, some songs you say, oh, that's dated. There's a lot of their songs can really stand the test of time, I think. Leonard Skinner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I've listened to some songs and all of a sudden I'm saying, man, I don't really remember that one, but hey, that's a great song. Yeah. But, you know, I'm. That's what we're going to do on the, ne- the, the next time gonna, you and I get together. Do some research on this. Yeah. And, uh, and we're going to talk about why don't, the next time Buzz joins me, what we're going to try to do is uh, we're actually going to uh, take a look at maybe the Leonard Skinner catalog. Maybe not at all the songs, but some of the songs. And then some of the songs that aren't uh, known as well. Like you remember the song Need All My Friends was one of their early yeah. hits. That was a good song. Need All My Friends is Oh, that was before they even started up as a band, I think. Well, it's one of the, the early, I think one of the early. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, Buzz, Buzz and I, uh, B-Buzz, we've been B-Buzz. we've been talking about Jacksonville, Florida groups, Leonard Skinner, music in general, uh, North Florida Entertainment is part of the Tilford Report podcast. We talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, North Florida Entertainment, other area sports. By the way, Buzz, what is your, I know you, you're, you're a Jaguars fan, right? Yeah, oh, definitely. I love to see him win, and we need some wins. Yeah, this year is a pivotal year for sure. Yeah, I, I would think so. We're also we we talked um, between you and me. We we talked about maybe doing some studying on some Leonard Skinner songs, maybe some songs people don't know as as much as other songs. Right. We'll do a little research on it, and the next time you and I get together, uh, we'll talk about maybe that Leonard Skinner gym. That song that maybe you've heard once or twice, or maybe you've never heard, that we can talk about uh, next go around on the Tilford Report podcast. You and me. Sounds good. Okay. I mean, I, you know, I haven't seen you in a long time, so it's, it's well, good it's, to see you. But both of us <laughs> back to abnormal. Yeah, and you know, you know what's kind of cool when you and I get together, we go down to the beaches diner and have breakfast. Yeah, that's that's, that's part pretty of good. Food. The pancakes are pretty good. Breakfast stuff is uh, really good. Oh yeah, and we want hey, we want to talk about our sponsors real quick. Uh, Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to make a podcast. I've kind of demonstrated to Buzz uh, how we do our podcast. LakeYvallaHits.com, great internet radio where it's all good. Saucer Realty, where they do real estate in North Florida, whether it's home, residential, business, or commercial real estate. My good friend uh, Larry. Uh, run Saucer Realty and Capital. And, uh, you know, you do real estate, whether it's home, residential, business, commercial. Uh, he's sanctioned to do real estate in Jacksonville, Gainesville, Lake City, Live Oak, and most all areas in between, and a little bit south of our area, too. So we want to thank Saucer Realty, Anchor.fm, Simplest Easiest Way to Do a Podcast or Make a Podcast. And, of course, LakeYvallaHits.com, great internet radio where it's all good. And don't forget about the Mad Max Mix. Mad Max Mix. MadMaxMix.Weebly.com. Hey, you can actually get your request in with Max. He plays classic rock, um, pop music songs, classic rock. Uh, Max loves playing Joe Jackson, Stepping Out. Yeah, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of his ending song to his show. 
I think that's a good choice. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> really? That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, he, he normally plays he normally plays Joe Jackson when he's stepping out. Yeah, seeing as how that's the, the name of the song. Yeah, and it's the ending song to his show. And he you know, he plays Leonard Skinner, he plays John Leonard. He likes um yeah, Mad Max also likes he likes Gary Wright. You know, Gary Wright that did Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver. And he did another song too. I'm trying to think of the other song, but the other song's the one Max always uses and plays. And um, our love is alive. Love is alive. Our our love is alive. I remember hearing yeah. that song. I remember hearing that song at the beach years and years ago when I was in the pier, probably playing pinball or something at the Jacksonville Beach Pier, and that song came on the jukebox. Love, our love is alive. Yeah, by Gary Wright. That's one of that's one of Max's favorite songs. But Max will play the Atlanta rhythm section. We didn't really talk about the Atlanta rhythm section much. And Ronnie Hammond, a great, a great singer, passed away a few years ago. Who remember the Atlanta Rhythm Section? Oh yeah, I even luckily saw them at, at a bar in Jacksonville one time. I'm trying to figure out who else. Wasn't the Sunset Grill, was it? <laughs> no, I don't think it was. I mean, that was, I, I think there was there was a there was a song. I can't remember the song. We got to research that too. There was a song. The Atlanta Rhythm Section did. They actually, they actually sang about, I think, a lounge in, in Jacksonville. If you're ever down in Jacksonville, stay away from Rainbow Grill. <laughs> That's the one. Was yes. that an actual place? Not that I'm aware of. I think, I think they took, you know, they figured nobody will notice. Them. We wouldn't play it for anybody who likes them. Yeah, you remember the big, the big heavy set bass guitar player, Paul yeah. Goddard? Yeah, it seems like he used to play with uh, Roy Orbison or uh, who else? I can't remember now. Yeah, but they had a lot of Atlanta Rhythm Section had a lot of great musicians. Barry Bailey, the, the guitar player, uh, Dean Doherty, I think was the last surviving. I think most of them have passed away now. But Dean Doherty, the keyboard player, was one of the last surviving members of the Atlanta Rhythm Section. Buzz, we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, I hope so. Appreciate you uh, letting me do this. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to, I'm going to get better at it. Yeah, and hey, we're listening to as many as 36 states across the United States, worldwide (laughs) and international. And now you've had a chance to meet B. Buzz. He was actually in episode number 10 way back in 2020. So we're going to bring him out here uh, from time to time. And uh, Buzz, uh, again, B. Buzz, Mr. Buzz, thank you for joining us. Thanks for asking me, and uh, yeah, let's do it again. Yeah, we'll do it again sometime soon. Thank you for listening to our... together and do it again. And and again, thank you for listening to our segment with uh, my my good friend Buzz. We worked together in radio at a couple of different radio stops, and and, it's been great um, seeing him again and getting a chance to, you know, interview Buzz and talk back and forth about Jacksonville, Florida music and music in general. And even the Jaguars, because he's a he's a Jaguars fan too. You guys yes, have I a great am. day, and uh, hey, we'll be continuing with more of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Stay tuned; uh, we're right here with more episodes coming up. Hey.
Hey, I want to I want to thank uh, Buzz for joining us. Uh, we had a long discussion on Jacksonville, Florida, the history of Jacksonville, Florida music for Jacksonville, North Florida, surrounding areas. If you love music, we we do, we do discuss it. Uh, we check some of the concerts coming up, concerts, and I I think I would recommend are most of the ones I mentioned. There's other shows out there too, and sometimes I miss one or two. But uh, we do try to keep up with the concert listings in the Neighbors 2 section at BigJReport.com. I'm going to continue to talk about the Jaguars training camp getting ready to start. We've got the uh, the rookie mini camp in the rear view, the OTAs, I believe, uh, pretty much in the rear view now. And next up is the real training camp. I know Tony Baselli is going to be enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and the Jaguars actually will play the first preseason game, the Hall of Fame preseason football game classic, and it's going to be against the Las Vegas Raiders up in Canton, Ohio. So that's what we got to look forward to, the preseason training camp. And on our next episode, I tell you what, on our next episode, because I had some requests for this, to get back into talking about the schedule. And there's going to be plenty of time to talk about the Jaguars' schedule. The first game will be – against the Washington Redskins on the road, you know, in early September, we're going to, we're going to talk about that. And, you know, certainly in uh, due time. Also, we got to talk about our shout out list because I was very remiss in not giving you the shout out list. Although we mentioned some of the folks, you know, that we talked to like David Martin uh, concerning APDFL football updates, uh, solo who we were talking Argyle Avenger football with and EAFL uh, football and EAFL playoffs. And a lot of the semi-pro football seasons, at least at the outdoor level, are, are gradually coming to an end. Argyle, the Argyle Avengers here in Jacksonville, playing on the west side of Jacksonville at their, uh, their field out there on uh, Wilson Boulevard on the west side of Jacksonville. Their season finally came to an end. Sadly, they lost on the road down around, I believe, the Bay Area Reapers play around, what, the Tampa Clearwater area, somewhere down there in Central Florida. And they got a good team, too. The Bay Area Reapers uh, beat the Argyle Avengers 20-8. to uh, You know, I got a good friend that plays for the Bay Area Reapers. I got good friends that play for the Argyle Avengers. Um, the Bay Area Reapers. Um we, we talked about this game a little bit earlier uh, here in the podcast. They defeated the Argyle Avengers 20-8. to 8. Our good friend Lavelle Blue, had he told me he had about three tackles in that game, playing a little bit of defensive back, playing some linebacker. Uh, Solo, Mr. Solo, um, you know, I, I talked to him. He had a long drive back from Central Florida last night. But, uh, you know, I want to thank him for giving us the score, the 20-8 to 8. Uh, loss because you know when your team loses you know you, the last thing you want to do is say hey we lost it, the score was 20 to 8 but they're building a really good semi pro football program with the Argyle Avengers there's some other teams across Jacksonville the Jacksonville Spartans Bold City Thunder especially the Jacksonville Spartans i mean they're a class act so are the Argyle Avengers i don't know a lot about the Bold City Thunder although they they they've had a pretty good team they had a pretty good team this year and um there's a lot of other teams near our area. You know, you got the Savannah Falcons up in Georgia and a lot of teams in semi-pro football. We we try to 
cover these leagues, whether it's indoor, outdoor, a lot of these guys play for the love of the game, like George Bowen, the all-time safeties leader in pro football, in semi-pro football, outdoor arena league football. I mean, he's had 18 safeties in 18 seasons. Big George Bowen listens to the podcast, too. Checking out our shout-out list, uh, Larry Cole, the governor of Apopka. Hello to you. Want to say hello to uh, my uncle Buddy, Buddy Mullis, who lives up in Gadsden. I haven't talked to Buddy in a while. I hope he's doing okay up there. Um, you know, we, we he lost his brother, and I lost my dad here about a year and a half ago. Um, Larry Cole, Ray Jenny. Ray Jenny on our shout out list. Good, good guy. Good member of our uh, bigjreport.com Facebook group. Uh, you can check it out too. It's a public group. Anybody can come in and take a look at what's going on. Uh, we talk news, sports, a lot of, a lot of sports, sports and more sports, weather information and more. want to say hello to Tony Lee, Ray Jenny, CJ Foreman, uh, David Martin, our good friend David Martin, who helps uh, keep us up to date with the APDFL uh, goings on of that uh, that spring semi pro football league, they're now at the uh, they're now at the playoff level. We gave you some of the APDFL uh, playoff scores a little bit earlier. Want to say hello to uh, Robert Mills, Enrique Enrique Crumbs, who plays for a um, an indoor football team in the AFA. They're called the Magnolia State Spartans. Enrique Crumbs, good to have you on our shout-out list. Big George Bowen with the Southern Steam. John Naylor in our Facebook group. John is a big sports guy and gives us a lot of info and scores, and we appreciate it, Mr. John Naylor. He listens to the podcast, too. I want to say hello to Bob Martin, Bobby Eyde. Uh, JC, our Teal Shirt Report podcast producer. JC's also a uh, freelance writer on our website at bigjreport.com. Want to say hello to Alex Nunnery, one of our producers on the Teal Shirt Report podcast and our BigJReport.com sports reporter. Uh, Mary Lou Halub, who listens to the podcast, I believe, and uh, she's also in our Facebook group. Want to say hello to Mad Max, our Georgia Bulldog football insider. He hosts his own show, the Mad Max Mix. Want to say hello to Andy Powers uh, from across the pond in the UK. Rusty Kane, our old classmate, Larry Saucer. Uh, with Saucer Realty and Capital, one of our sponsors, also Big George Bowen, Mike Pate, a classmate and member of our Facebook group, Randall Pogue, who lives in the Gulf part of Texas, but he travels around a good bit, and we, we talk to him almost on a daily basis in the Facebook group. want to say hello to Jack Sharkman, big Jacksonville Sharks fan. Jack Sharkman must be a little happier now because the uh, Sharks have won two in a row. They're now three and four. They won a lot of they they they've won a lot of close games and they've lost some close games too. It's been kind of the kind of the tail of the Jacksonville Sharks season. I want to say hello to uh, let's see, brother Cooper Aspinwall. I, I ran into him over at uh, Owls in Riverside at the Pizza Place. Uh, that's uh, Cooper Aspen. Aspenwall, Brother Cooper Aspenwall. Also, Larry uh, Mastronakis, I believe he was Alex's pediatrician years ago. Andy Powers, again, a special hello to you. Gerald Rogers, uh, listener of the podcast, big guy on our Facebook group, kind of the tail twister in our Facebook group. Gerald Rogers, hello to you. Miller Mark, our comedian friend up in New York. Miller Mark is getting busier and busier as a comedian up in New York. Congratulations on the great things. Happening in his career from Miller Mark uh, up in uh, New York. 
Um, want to thank Mad Max for playing a request for me on his show, The Mad Max Mix. He played Shattered by the Rolling Stones the other day. Good song, too. And Max, I, I hope you catch this on the podcast, but there's kind of a, what's kind of cool, I've always loved that song, Shattered by the Rolling Stones. I don't think I've ever mentioned that song to you before or requested it, but thanks for playing it. There's a line in that song that says, Rats on the West Side. Maybe they're referring to the west side of Jacksonville, Florida. We got a lot of Jacksonville, Florida listeners to our podcast. We got folks listening in North Florida, South Georgia, a pocket of South Alabama, including the uh, Eufaula, Alabama, Southeast Alabama, that coffee club in Eufaula. JC, Mad Max, thank you for listening in today. I want to say hello to Robert Irwin, who listens, Jerry Brown, and uh, Robert Irwin. Jerry Brown, who who has a lot to do with putting together uh, the Jaguars Let's Go group on Facebook. Uh, Jerry Brown, thank you for listening. Mike Riggins, keep your – we want to keep Mike Riggins in our thoughts and prayers. You know, I know he's been ill off and on for, you know, several weeks, several months. Mike Riggins, big – Jaguars fan right here in Duval. You know, we're all Duval till we die, Jaguars fans, right? For the most part here locally in the Jacksonville, North Florida area. You know, and I'm trying to bring in Mad Max as a as a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. I know he was an Atlanta Falcons fan for years, but we're trying to kind of bring him down a little further south into the east to be a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Mad Max follows the Jaguars. You know, the Jaguars got Trayvon... Uh, Trayvon Walker, former Georgia Bulldog, and Max is a big Georgia Bulldog football insider. So you get some Georgia Bulldog football players, that gets probably gets Max a little more interested in the Jaguars as well. So a special hello to my uh, Uncle Buddy, who lives up in Ganston, Alabama now. Want to say, I wrote a guy's name Warren down. I don't know. Oh, Warren's a guy that uh, works over at the grocery store. <laughs> Warren, hello to you. Uh, Michael over there at that same grocery store in the Riverside area of Jacksonville, Florida. I hope you're doing well. And I think we've mentioned almost everybody on the uh, shout out list. Andy Powers, again, hello to you. If I miss somebody, hey, you can always uh, write me if you want to be on the shout out list or just have a comment, complaint, or suggestion, or maybe compliment. You can write to us, Scott at bigjreport.com. That's Scott at bigjreport.com. Thank you for listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast, episode show number 27. We're going to go out now with Alex Nunray. We're going to go back. Alex covered the Florida Falcons game a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to go back to that game. Let's hear. Alex got really excited during the game, did some interviews after the game, too. Let's now join Alex Nunray. And the Florida Falcons really impressed me. Boy, a good group of guys. They played over at, uh, they play their home games apparently at the bowl school in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, we're going to go back and uh, get some reports from that game a couple of weeks ago as the Florida, Florida Falcons were big winners, big come from behind victory, 28, 25. Let's now check in with our big J report.com sports reporter, Alex Nunry. And he takes you back to the Florida Falcons game uh, several, several days ago, almost a couple of weeks ago, I believe. Let's check in with Alex Nunry, our BigJReport.com sports reporter. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome to the Teal Shirt Report podcast, a part of a BigJReport.com production. 
My name is Alex Nunnery. I am the sports reporter for BigShayReport.com. As Lace Gilman, it's another beautiful day here in the San Marco area, area of Jacksonville, Florida. On this beautiful, hot day of May 28th, 2022. As Lace Gilman, we are here. At the Bowl School for a terrific APDFL football game. A final home game for your Florida Falcons. As late children today, the Falcons will take on the visiting Georgia Cobras. The Georgia Cobras, they are 7-2. They are from Thomasville, Georgia. Their head, head coach is Mr. Antonio Ivy. Looking at their roster. Antonio Ivy, a Florida A&M Ratzler alumni. Ivy, also the owner of the Georgia Cobras. From Thomasville, Georgia. The Cobras, once again, from Thomasville, Georgia. The Florida Falcons. Your Florida Falcons come into today's game at 8-1. From right here in Jacksonville, Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, the head coach of the Florida Falcons. Of the mighty Florida Falcons. And owner... That's Coach Justin Moses, 8-1 on the season. The Florida Falcons, the best team in the APDFL. Hey, what's up there, Florida Falcons fans and team? What's up, baby? I see you out there. Hopefully our Florida Falcons. Ladies and gentlemen. Woo! Can't wait. It's a beautiful day here, once again, in Jacksonville. The Cobras, one of their stars, a Florida State Seminole. That's a track runner. One of the best defensive backs in the AP DFL. That's Brian King Jr. from Florida State University. Also from Florida State University, you have... Tony Edwards. The quarterback for the Georgia Cobras. From Tennessee State University, the Tigers. That's the same alumni as Eddie George. And the same alumni as Jacksonville Sharks wide receiver Devin Wilson. The Tigers, well, the Cobras, their quarterback is Dion Graham. The kicker for the Cobras, number 89, from Thomasville High School, Kirsten Edwards. Edwards from Thomasville High School. Before we, be, before we get ready for kickoff, we would like to thank 
everyone out there for serving our military. If you are joining us on the Chill Shirt Report podcast, especially for the Florida Falcons, number one, Dre Sean. Buxton, ladies and gentlemen. Buxton is a member of the military. While not in the military, he enjoys playing for the Florida Falcons football team. He played at Bethune-Cookman University, home of the Wildcats. Another big game in town. Yeah, the Southwest Florida Jaguars versus the Argyle Avengers. The Avengers led by... Solo Don Lynn or Lyndon Dunham as we all know him as Paul Owens and Mott Kendrick for the Argyle Avengers. This is a big game here at Falcon Stadium at the Bowl School of Jacksonville. Not only is it a regular season finale, but ladies and gentlemen, coming back for his first game coaching in almost seven years. Welcome back to the sidelines for today's game. Former Falcons defensive coordinator Andre Cooper. The captains for the Falcons. You have number zero, Trevon Bird. Number three. Showtime, Ridgeburg. Number nine, Christian Bartley. Welcome, everyone, to Skinner Barco Stadium for today's... And number 56, Emius Eggleston. Once again, folks, here they come, your Florida Falcons. Quarterback for your Falcons from Jacksonville Athletic Academy, number 13, Aaron Penny. Kicking off for your Falcons. Start the game, number nine, from Orange Park High School. That's a Raider. That's Christian Bartley. False start on the Cobras on third down. Brings up third and 14 for the Cobras. Third down and 14 for the Georgia Cobras. Third and 14. Come all the way in. Thomasville, Georgia. Tough. Number 21, Michael King Jr. on the coverage for the Falcons. Early. King Jr. from Camden County, Georgia. The Camden County Wildcat. Touchdown, Falcons. That's number 21, Michael Holmes. With the pick six for the Florida Falcons. Touchdown. 
With 10.53 left in this Michael first quarter. Holmes. Your Florida Falcons, six. Says here, 6'2", 185 out of Camden County High School. And the Georgia Cobras, nothing. Michael Holmes from Camden County High School. Home of the Wildcats. That touchdown was called back, ladies and gentlemen. Falcons come up a little His short His knee on that was one, down. They still have the Cobras back deep at their own seven-yard line. His knee was down, but that was still an interception for King. No, for Michael Holmes, the Camden County Wildcats. As you may have not known, ladies and gentlemen, the Florida Falcons. And Two of their players. Two of their oldest players. Born in uh, Johnson Session. 1980. You got Johnson Session from Edward Waters College. Loss of a yard. I'll bring up second and 11. And you have Kosey Jones from Savannah State University. Back now to receive. That's a sack. Punt this off to him. The Falcons will get the ball back. By Kevin Sitgraves. Six foot, 250 from Alfred State. College. Kevin Sitgraves, ladies and gentlemen, with the safety for the Florida Falcons football team. Your score, the Falcons, two, the Cobras, zero, with 7.53 remaining in the first quarter here at the Bowl School. First down. Great play. That's a beautiful catch by the Reigns Viking. Devin Chunt. That's a first down, Falcons. Johnson. A Reigns. Mighty Viking. First and 10. There's a snap. Wide receiver scores. Michael Holmes. Touchdown, Falcon. Jameer Sykes with a beautiful catch in the end zone from Northern Virginia Community College. Hartley comes out for the edge. Sykes, ladies showing. A member of the United States. Army. The Falcons. Your score, the Falcons, nine. And the Georgia Cobras, nothing. With 3.13 left in the first quarter. The godlike play. Kevin, sick, Graves. Putting on a show on that defensive end spot. 
That's that's a sack and a safety for the big man from Alfred State College. Sit, Grace. They're on by now. Bartley's Nine 45-yard field goal. 45-yard field goal. It's terrific. It was good from about... It could have been good from about 50 yards, ladies and gentlemen. That's the kind of leg this kicker has. He's one of the best kickers I have ever seen at this age. Your Florida Falcons down 19 to 15 with nine minutes left in the third quarter. Jameer Sykes having a game for the Falcons tonight. That's his second touchdown catch. Your score with 13 12 remaining in this fourth quarter of this very intense football game. It's the Georgia Cobras 25 and your Florida Falcon and your Florida Falcons 21. Ladies and gentlemen, Jameer Sykes from Trenton. New Jersey. The Cobras fumbled it. It's Falcons football. 548 left in this game, down by four. Kevin sides Graves. From Alfred State College. What's the fumble recovery? Touchdown, Falcon! Number 17, Devin Johnson. With the game-winning potential touchdown with six seconds left for your Florida Falcons. Johnson from Reigns High School. The Falcons lead it 28 to 25 with six seconds left. Christian Barley's extra point was good, ladies and gentlemen. What a back and forth, terrific football game. Holy smokes. Everyone on their feet right now. We here with, with with Devin Johnson, the Florida Falcons receiver. A, a, a game-winning catch with six seconds left. How did you play tonight in this intense game? Um, I had to play both sides. I started cramping at the end. I tried. I, I was like, "Damn, I can't, I can't run." But I had to suck it up and get in one more play, and I caught it and scored. All right. Hey, good game, man. Appreciate it. We're we're, we're here with. With, with Michael Holman of the Florida Falcons. He had a really good interception today. How did you play tonight on defense? Uh, I just played off my teammates, and uh, we just enjoyed the team win. All right. We're here with, with, 
with the man with the two sacks for the Florida Falcons. That's Kevin Sightgross. He hails from Cleveland, Ohio. How did you play at night for that terrific Falcon defense? Oh, man, you know, it wasn't just me. We played real good. We was dominant. You know, we know we had to turn it up. We count on our front seven. And, you know, um, we was just aggressive more. We wanted it more. And we was passionate about it. All right. Hey, good game, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, Alex, um, Alex Nunnery, our BigJReport.com sports reporter and Teal Shirt Report uh, podcast producer. Alex, uh, thank you for those fine reports. Great football game, too. That was around the Memorial Day holiday weekend several days ago where the Florida Falcons defeated the Georgia Cobras. The Florida Falcons 28, the Georgia Cobras 25. Also, I had messaged out and reached out to Coach Bobby Damerall. He said, yes, it is official. It is official, that game with the Alabama Empire. Alabama Empire, I believe they were leading that game. I believe it was 51 uh, to 38. Uh, 51 to 38. However, what had happened is there were some issues that took place um, during that uh, weekend. Uh, Not this weekend, but last weekend. So I guess it was the last weekend in May when there was a game played um, up in Macon, apparently the last game that will be played up in Macon with the Southern Steam because they lost their venue due to some things that transpired from uh, the Alabama Empire. And, uh, you know, certainly we were saddened to hear they lost their venue, but they will be playing some games. The Southern Steam will play up at Swanee against the uh, Peach State Cats, and that's going to be on June the 11th. And then they got a couple of games after that uh, in Orlando. So we'll keep you up to date with the Southern Steam the best we can. Um, National Arena League uh, football, the playoffs that are going on with the APDFL currently, the EAFL, the EAFL as well. So a lot of stuff going on with semi-pro football and indoor arena football, if you will, as well. By the way, that Southern Steam game, um, the Alabama Empire, you know, had the better score on the field, but what was going on off the field was kind of cost Alabama the game and cost the Southern Steam their, their home venue up in Macon. The Alabama Empire had them beat on the scoreboard. The Alabama Empire played the Southern Steam back on Saturday, May the 21st. But the game was not official uh, for several days and was under review, according to um, Southern Steam coach Bobby Damerall. The game was under investigation, and we were hoping to know more about it. We have found out now uh, officially a forfeit was awarded to the Southern Steam. The Alabama Empire reported um, this score after the game was played on Saturday night, May the 21st, the Alabama Empire 51, the Southern Steam 35 in EIF play. However, the game, according to Coach Damerell, I just received the official word, the Southern Steam officially gets the victory by way of forfeit for what was going on off the field in the locker room, smells emanating throughout the facility. There was some, some apparently some some fumes of marijuana emanating from the Alabama Empire locker room, according to Coach Bobby Damerall. 
Big George Bowen and most of the folks that attended the game. And the, the people that run the facility up in Macon, out there on Starcadia, apparently they said this isn't going to go on here. And sadly for the Southern Steam, they lost their venue. But it was the Alabama Empire that more or less caused it. I know Coach Bobby Damrell had told me he was having trouble with the Alabama Empire even prior to that. So kind of a sad state of affairs. The Southern Steam will play their next game on June the 11th up in Suwannee, Georgia. They'll play the Peach State Cats up in Suwannee, Georgia. Good luck to the Southern Steam. If anything came out of it in a positive light, the Southern Steam did get a forfeit win over the Alabama Empire on Saturday night, May the 21st, as the official word has now come down. That's going to do it. Alex Nunnery, thank you for those reports on the uh, Falcons game. The Florida Falcons, 28-25 uh, victory over the Georgia Cobras, a game that was played you know, around the Memorial Day holiday weekend. I was really impressed with the Florida Falcons. They brought the American flag out on the field with them as they were coming on the field. Man, those guys play for the love of the game, too. The Florida Falcons, you know, Basically, most all these guys are really great guys that play indoor football, arena football, semi-pro outdoor football. Sometimes there can be a bad apple, you know, in the crate, right? You know, one bad apple, don't spoil the whole bunch. <clears throat> Alabama Empire. Alabama Empire, uh, we, we have not contacted the Alabama Empire, but we will we will attempt to do that. Because a lot of what we're getting is stuff, you know, from the Southern Steam, George Bowen, Coach Bobby Damerall. We will make an attempt to contact the Alabama Empire because, you know, there is a thing called hearsay. But let's see what the Alabama Empire have to say about all of that. We've t- discussed it in the um, last two podcasts. This is episode show number 27 of the Teal Shirt Report podcast where we talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. North Florida Entertainment, other area sports, including the underworld of um, indoor arena, semi-pro outdoor football, if you will. And, you know, we also talked the SEC, and I haven't really even had a chance to get to the SEC today. I will tell you that the new Lindy's Magazine came in, and uh, they got Alabama at the top of the poll. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Alabama in Lindy's top 10. They got Alabama 1, Ohio State 2, Georgia 3, Clemson 4, Texas A&M 5th. Big Jimbo doing the limbo, bringing in all the big-time, big-money recruits. Texas A&M ranked 5th in the poll, Michigan 6th. Utah, who the Florida Gators are going to play at home in the swamp. Utah coming off their Pac-12 championship. They won the Pac-12 championship game uh, last season um, in 2021. Utah ranked seventh in the uh, New Lindy's poll. Notre Dame eighth. Oklahoma State ninth. Oklahoma tenth. Florida Gators not in the top ten. But you see the ones that are. Alabama one. Ohio State two. Georgia three. Clemson four. Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo doing the limbo. Fifth for Texas A&M. So these are the teams ranked in the top 10, according to Lindy's. We'll, uh, hey, we'll go through the book. We'll take a look at it. Uh, it's available now 
on grocery store shelves and bookstores almost everywhere. The new Lindy's, and I'm told Athlon's book is going to be out in the next couple of days as well. When I was a kid, I used to read, um, what was it, Game Game Plan was a great college football magazine. And JC, one of our Teal Shirt Report producers and freelance writers of the BigJReport.com, he mentioned Street and Smith. And I said, oh, yeah, I used to read Street and Smith, too. So it used to be Street and Smith and Game Plan. And maybe Athlon and uh, Lindy's, I, I don't know the full story of these uh, preseason or spring summer magazines for the, you know, the upcoming college football season. You know, how Athlon and Lindy's came about, that may be something to look at on a future podcast as well. But that's just a little bit from the Lindy's magazine, which came out just a handful of days ago. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to go through the magazine. We'll talk. I tell you what we'll do. We'll talk more SEC football on the next podcast. We'll talk more Jacksonville Jaguars, North Florida Entertainment. And of course, we keep you up to date with other area sports, such as the underworld of indoor arena football and semi-pro outdoor football as well. So stick around. Always join us here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as Alex Nundry would say, this has been episode, this has been episode show, episode show number 27 of season number three. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And you guys have a great day. Come back and join us again. We'll be back with another episode here in a few minutes, a few hours, or the next couple of days, whenever you happen to tune in and listen. We appreciate all the new listeners. Uh, I hope uh, Christian got a chance to listen here in Jacksonville. I'd send him a link to the show. Mr. Christian, uh, good to have you listening to us. And everybody, you know, I did do, uh, for the most part, I think I hit everybody up on the shout-out list. C.J. Foreman, Tony Lee, Ray Jenny, David Martin, Larry Cole, the governor of Apopkin, many, many others, Mad Max, our Georgia Bulldog football insider. We got Florida Gator insiders, too. Myself, I've been a Florida Gator fan since I was like seven years old back in the early 1970s when I started following Florida Gator football when Doug Dickey was the head coach when he took over for Ray Graves. And uh, so we got Florida Gator insiders too. myself, uh, Scott, also Alex Nunry, big uh, Florida Gator uh, uh, follower as well. Plus we've got JC, big Alabama football expert and expert on the Southeastern Conference Western Division. And we got Matt Max, our Georgia Bulldog football insider we'll talk more sec football on our next podcast and in many of our podcasts coming up as we head toward the college football season uh we've recorded today's podcast on june the 5th on sunday june the 5th of 2022 hey if we missed anything today we'll try to pick up pick back up on it on our next podcast this has been episode show number 27 season number three of the teal shirt report podcast I want to thank my producers, Alex Nunnery, and also JC. Thank you guys very much for all the help uh, that you, you you put into, you know, making this podcast really interesting, entertaining at times, and, and a lot of fun to do for your host, Scott. Have a great day. We'll be back again really, really soon for another episode show of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast from the Teal Shirt Report Network and the BigJReport.com. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again real soon.